Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Move Podcast. We're talking about the 2023 season highlights. I mean, it was a hell of a year. A lot of stuff to talk about. Johan over there in Madrid, George. Down in the cellar. A little early to be down in the cellar, George. <laughs> it's we can we can all it. talk about that later. And my fellow Austinite, JB Hager. We're all gonna um come up with our picks for uh for and let's just call it two to three highlights of the year. Uh of what stood out, what stood out for us and, and for those fans and people that watch the sport this year, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of dynamic racing. So uh, but before we do, today's show brought to you by Zwift. <clears throat> Indoor season may only just be back, but Zwift has been busy over the summer and there's never been a better time to get started riding indoors. Zwift Smart Trainer, the Zwift Hub, is now a better value than ever. For $599, not only do you get a Smart Trainer with a pre-installed cassette of your choice for no-fuss setup, but you also get one year of Zwift and you also get free shipping when you enter the code Hub at checkout. There's more to do on Zwift than ever before, including the return of We Do Wednesdays and Suffer Sundays. Head on over to Zwift.com and grab your Zwift Hub. Don't forget to use the code ZwiftHub for free shipping. By the way, JB, did you see the temperature this morning? I missed some Zwift weather. It's 32 degrees in Austin, Texas. Damn. Also today brought to you by Element. Folks, you hear us talk about it all the time. Uh, uh, You know, I do sweat a lot. I don't sweat a lot when it's 32 degrees. Uh, but when it's anything, uh, you know, above that, I sweat a ton. This is our go-to hydration source, thousand milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, no sugar, no gluten, no artificial ingredients, no BS. It is the real deal. Uh, our listeners can get a free element sample pack with any order. When you head on over to drink slash the move again, that's drink lmnt.com slash the move get your free gift with a purchase last one here for a bit hvmn also uh our go-to we start our days with most of these products uh hvmn being one of those uh, we often hear that fasting and exercise are good for the brain hvmn launched the world's first drinkable ketone in 2017 ketone iq is their latest innovation on ketones with improved effectiveness taste and cost Ketone IQ delivers clean fuel that can cross the blood-brain barrier, supplying your brain and body sustained energy, focus, and sharpness. You can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, that's hvmn.com slash the move. No doubt those ketones um, provided some fuel for some of these highlights that we're going to talk about. But let's kick it off. Uh, you know. No particular order. We didn't draw straws. By the way, I'm sure a lot of us have, a like a lot of you all, have a lot of similar highlights in mind. So we'll try not to cross over, but we'll pick two or three. Who's going first? You know, I can start since you guys got the, the pick of the litter. You guys got the big ones, which is how it should be. So I, I picked a couple more obscure things. Mm. Um, smaller moments, more emotional moments is, is what I picked. Uh, the first one being... Garrett Thomas leading out Mark Cavendish in stage 21 of the Giro. Working, working, working. You know, his, his, his uh, Giro had, had kind of fallen apart just a little bit, and then he helped an old brother out. And I just thought that was just a cool moment. 
a reminder of, of this, this, the, the gentleman aspect of the sport, what a leader he is, what a baller he is, just a cool moment. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that, JB. I mean, watching that was particularly very emotional for me just because a lot of people had counted him out. Uh, he's, you know, he's the, the comeback kid, so to speak. So to see somebody like Garen, who had gone through so much personally in that Giro as well, uh, fighting out for the, the victory himself, put it all on the line there for, for Cab in the last stage. And Cab winning by like three or four bike lengths. Uh, I'm glad you chose that as a highlight because it's definitely one of mine as well. Speaking of Garen Thomas, do we would it be out of line to talk about something else regarding Garen Thomas? That's up to no, you. I don't think so. I think we're we're, we're going to have him on our legend show. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, Johan and I are going to throw some questions at him. So actually, if some of our viewers have questions, feel free to email email them to our our company, and uh, we'll try to get to as many as we can. Mm -hmm. the, mo the move at we do dot team. If you have a question, but, yeah, uh, yeah. And for those of you who don't know, we've launched this legends series. Uh, where we're, you know, Johan and George have tracked down just incredible names from the sport. And so those will be rolling out through the rest of the month. Uh, so watch for that. My other pick, also a very emotional moment, was when uh, Matei Mahorch's win, and more so what happened after the win on stage 19 at the tour. It was his emotional uh, outpour uh, of two things. One, uh, the emotion about uh, Gino Mater. Mm -hmm. But then also just what the demands of the sport. And, you know, and I, I don't think any of us like you guys could all under. Um, I would love for you to elaborate on it. Having ridden in the pro Peloton, those of us lay people, you know, just watching that, what emotion they go through to get to that level, you know, and it's not his first win. We understand yeah. the first win. It's just what they go through physically. It's just the outpouring of emotion was amazing. Well, I'll tell you the other thing, JB, that we um, can relate to, certainly George and I, because we were on the team with, with Castertelli and Johan, you were in the sport. So you just as a uh, as a peer of ours at the time, yeah, yeah. Um, Mohoric has won a lot of races. He's won Milan San Remo. He's won uh, stages in the Tour, stages in the Grand Tours. But you, you just can't, I mean, you can prepare for the sport and you can prepare for the difficulty of it and the, and the difficulty of a classic or a three-week Grand Tour. But you cannot prepare for losing a teammate, and so that's um, yeah, maybe we're uniquely situated to to also uh, understand what he was feeling there too. It's is awful. It's awful, and a and a, a really stark reminder that uh, for as many of us that love cycling and love racing bikes, it is a dangerous sport. I mean, let's let's not be uh, mistaken. Not just in the races, but out there, you know, we've seen all too many episodes the last handful of years where. Um, you know, uh, guys out training have, have had accidents or been hit by cars and, and, and not live. So, um, it's, it's a, it's a risky game. Yeah. That interview was really amazing. Um, and I think it was a combination of, you know, this, this anger, uh, this, this held in anger that his whole team and obviously the whole Peloton had, but, you know, and really wanting to prove something in honor of him. And this outburst of emotions, that interview was, I mean, I personally, the best interview I've ever seen, the most emotional interview I've ever seen from a cyclist. Uh, I know it meant, it meant so much, you know, he also explained obviously, you know, what it, what it means today in today's cycling uh, to be winning, you know, because the competition is so high, but the, most of the emotions of course came from, you know, losing his teammate and, and having this, you know, satisfaction of being able to win and dedicate this win to him. 
it was amazing. I mean, I think I think it didn't left anybody untouched his, uh, his interview mm-hmm. after that stage. Yeah, and Johan, also you pointed out briefly that he did a great job pointing out the sacrifice. I mean, there's no doubt you and I and Lance trained our, our asses off when we were racing, but nowadays I feel like the level of training is so much more um, intense. I mean, they're not at home at all. They're at altitude camps. They're 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 weighing their food. Um, life has gotten so much more difficult for these guys. He did a great job pointing that out, and he also had did a great job in showing empathy for the guy that lost the stage by millimeters because he mm-hmm. works just as hard as him, and he sacrifices just as hard as him. And like you said, it was one of the best interviews of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to do the two. So next, okay. Uh, okay well, I'll 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 go next, uh, JB. Um, my first highlight of the year is uh, the Tour of Flanders. Tour of Flanders, huge race, um, you know, a race of specialists, but being won by a double Tour de France winner, Tadej Pogacar, uh, first of all, is quite unique. Only Eddie Merckx did this before him. And especially the way he, you know, single-handedly dominated that race uh, and basically ridiculed two of the best classics riders in the world, Mathieu van der Poel and, and Walt van Aert in their own backyard. I think that was that was really impressive. You know, George and I, we were, we were fortunate to be there. Uh, you know, we had a discussion with their team manager before, but, uh, you know, the way, the way this, this race developed and the way Pogacar started there with just one objective and being really convinced that he could win, uh, was, was, was unique, I think. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's especially nowadays in, in, in cycling where, where it's become so specific where a grand tour rider really is a grand tour rider uh i can't see anybody else um you know not 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 vingegaard not uh mm-hmm. not sep kust not primos roglic win a race like tour of flanders and paris or paris and pogacar actually is able to win both of them so that was for me uh an extraordinary performance well yeah and if i could just add something to that johan I mean, I think it's, it, you're right. The Tour of Flanders is, is in my opinion, it, it's the greatest classic on on planet Earth. Uh, but but the cool thing to me was that, uh, or the significant thing was that he didn't just show up and, as you said, dominate and humiliate some of the best in the classics game. But he, he started the season with that as a goal. Right? Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about and we've- His and main we, goal. His main, his and main and goal. we've questioned, okay, that's great that that's a goal, but, you know, the compare and contrast to the tour, what that means to your career, what that means to the team. But I just think the, the statement of, of making that a main goal or, or, or a huge goal or primary goal for the season for him says a lot. It, this was not a training day where he went out and he's just a good bike rider and beat all the best guys. No, he decided as a grand tour rider and as a preseason tour favorite to target this race. I, I think it speaks volumes for the significance of the tour of Flanders. Yeah. And two things, two things to point out, Johan, like you mentioned, we were there and we're planning on going back this year for the move uh, classics camps and, and being there in the start line with these guys in a race, which I like to call all these guys warriors. This is one of the most dangerous, hardest races on the calendar. And we were right there on the start line. I know I got a lot of goosebumps being there, seeing a lot of old teammates, seeing a lot of old friends that are there still in the industry. And I know that all of our guests, they were all blown away. So 
check it out after the show if you want to experience a, a camp of a lifetime come to Flanders with us. And secondly, speaking of Pogachar, just the fact the way he floats through the Peloton is unlike anything I've ever seen because it's not like he's got a classic team behind him. Yes, he's got a decent team, but the guy can just float around the Peloton uh, like a butterfly, like Muhammad Ali would would say. I mean, <laughs> it's incredible to watch him, his his finesse in the group, and and never have any panic and and get to the front when he needs to, and ride away from the best in the world in the pivotal moment of the Quermont. Uh, just uh, as a fan of the sport, for me, it was just uh, special to watch live. Well, you know, I, yeah. I, I think it doesn't hurt the fact that he's, uh, and we're, of course, not in the peloton, but we can see and we can hear from our sources. I mean, he's a very popular guy. We all know what it's like to try to get position in a peloton. You're going to have to quack somebody and you're going to have to piss somebody off. And there were always those guys where you just expected them to be quackers. But then you get a guy who's, yeah, he's got a quack to get up front, but he, he, oh, it's Tade. Yeah, that guy, he, he gave me a hug yeah, a week but- ago. No, it's, I, I think it matters. Not only is he strong enough, he has bike, tremendous bike handling skills, and, and he's well-liked. Uh, it just but doesn't hurt. From what I'm hearing, and George, you know the same, those, you know, being liked or not, it doesn't count anymore in the peloton. It's basically war. Nobody has respect for anybody. It's just nobody breaks. Uh, it, it, it has changed completely. I mean, more credit to him. You know, I think as of today, I think it's safe to say that Pogacar probably the only cyclist in the whole peloton who would be able to win all five monuments. You know, he can win Milan San Remo. He hasn't won. He has already won Liège. He has won Flanders. He has won Lombardy. And he also can he can also win Paris Roubaix, which he has shown in the Tour de France. So Whoa, I... I think that's unique. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> no, he can he can. Hold I mean... on. <laughs> you on. He only as has you, two uh, to go. As you, to go. As you yeah. say, rustic. <laughs> only only Milan San Remo and, and Paris Roubaix. Uh, very doable. I, 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 know I don't want to spend too much time on just this one, but I got to ask you guys now, you go back a year ago and we, when he, we heard that his goal was Flanders and not the Tour de France focused. Um, you guys were pretty critical. Like what? Mm-hmm. Why? What are you thinking? What, what is your problem? Now, now a year later, what are your thoughts on doing it, calling it and pulling it off? Unchanged. I, I think, Unchanged. I think it's, I think it's I think it's great. Uh, let's not forget, you know, we we're judging Pogacar uh, because, I mean, most of the people say, okay, you know, he's won the tour twice and he only got second, right? <laughs> That's kind of a failure, right? If once you've won, you need to win again. Um, who knows what would have happened without that crash in the edge right. and without yeah. breaking his 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 elbow or his his arm? You know, that's we can't know that. So we don't really know whether. The focus on the spring classics has compromised his performance in the tour. I personally think yeah. it did, uh, but he was still up there second with a very, very uh, poor preparation for the Tour de France. So let's, I mean, from what I've been reading and hearing, he will focus differently mm. next year and uh, do some classics, but probably not come in as hot as as he was this year. Second. Um, my second highlight, uh, I'm going to the end of the season, uh, skip the tour, uh, the road race world championships in Glasgow where, when, with Mathieu van der Poel winning that race, especially the way he did it. Um, you know, he started, when, as soon as they got on the circuits, he started attacking and everybody was saying, well, you know, why does he go so early? Uh, and then, you know, he just 
basically the three of the best cyclists in the world, Pogacar, Wout van Aert, and Mats Pedersen were with him. He dropped them, that dropped him, dropped them and gave them no chance. And then especially in the final crashing, keeping his cool and still uh, bringing it to the finish in, in, in an unbelievably strong way. Uh, for me, that was quite the performance. And I think a very, very, very nice and worthy world champion uh, representing uh, the professional cyclists in the rainbow jersey. And let's not forget, with that crash, um, broke his cleat. So it's it's one thing to <laughs> crash and get up, get going again, try to recover mentally. But when you're not clipped in properly, look, yeah. you still got to, you, you can still pedal, but it, 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 I mean, that to me was like, when they showed the picture of the broken shoe and the broken cleat, I was like, how did he do mm -hmm. that? Like, that's yeah. just, and, 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 and I, I stress the mental part. Cause when you, when you do crash, you got to get up and get and get going. And you're worried that they, that they've already caught you, but then to realize your shoe is not clipping them properly. It, it it's just a triple uh, blow to the, to, to the mind. And so, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one, Johan. Good call. And not, not only that, but how calculated and precise that attack was. You saw him in the warmups leading up to the race, going really hard up that hill. I mean, I'm I'm almost positive he had that attack in mind the whole race. Yes, he attacked as soon as he got on the circuit, but those were just to put dinks in the armor of his competitors. And the main attack, you can tell, he knew exactly how many watts or how long he can go for out of the saddle, wasn't even looking back, and just assumed that he was going to drop the best riders in the world off of his wheel, and he did exactly that. So to me, it was a precise calculated attack unlike any we've ever seen before at the world championships a little bit of business today's show also brought to you by ag1 so i started drinking ag1 as did really everybody on the show uh years ago i, I noticed a significant difference uh in energy gut health uh recovery I'm, I'm not a big i say it all the time i don't you know i'm not a big fruits and veg i hate to admit this by the way i'm not a big fruits and veggies guy uh, but I found a hack, right? I love finding hacks in life. And, and AG1 is a true hack. I've got everybody on it. My parents um, trying to get my kids on it. Work in progress. Anyways, it, 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 it really makes a difference. Uh, 75 adaptogens, probiotics, a bunch of other good stuff in there. Uh, the founder actually uh, started the company because he was pursuing better gut health. I, I want to stress that. Uh, that's such a key factor when it comes to overall health and vitality in our lives. Uh, AG1 is the supplement that we trust to provide our support, the support for our bodies that we need daily. And that's why we've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, let me stress that. Take ownership of your health. It starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Head on over to drinkag1.com slash the move. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash the move. Last one of the day. Today's show brought to you by Eight Sleep. Boy, this is now we're talking about a game changer. George, I know how cold you got that bed at night. Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it cold. And I got that vibrating alarm set. Oh, you it is, do? Like you said, it's a game, game changer. Yep. It's also, it also, the, the thing I, I find so fascinating about eight sleep is you can actually get, obviously I'm a, a big proponent of the aura ring. So I, I look at my data through the night on a, on a, on a daily basis, the accuracy of the mattress cover of the eight sleep, it, it, it is astonishing at how accurate it actually is. Right. And so, as we know, um, 
core temp through the night is is a key uh, factor for recovery and well-being and how you just frankly how you wake up and feel the next day also the user experience otherwise known as the ux is next level it's almost like an apple product right it, it, it the the actual unit the construction of the unit the the um the way we you, uh, you put the unit together and then the interaction with the app is is so it's just next level head on over to eight sleep.com slash the move you get you're going to save 150 bucks on the pod cover stay cool with the eight sleep now shipping within the usa canada the uk select countries in the eu and australia stay cool all night all right who wants to go next johan did you have a third yeah well um I no, I took. Care. I did, okay. but I I kind of uh, I kind of uh, <laughs> gave it away. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, in our pre-production. Wait, hang on a second. I'll, I, I'll, I'll jump I, in. Then. I I was late George for the did. for the pre-production for the pre-call, and I missed all this. You guys are like sharing things, sharing highlights. That's you know, Johan if you're late, that's what you get. <laughs> oh, no. I'll jump in, Lance, if you don't mind. I'm go just, I'm going to go with. Stage 10 uh, time trial in the Tour de France. Uh, it was up until that point, it was still kind of touch and go on who was the strongest rider in the Tour de France. And Jonas just completely blew everybody away. I mean, he started in the time trial bike. We we're all wondering what kind of uh, equipment he was going to use and, and uh, just climb that mountain in his time trial bike, which we all know how difficult that is, but we, which, which indicates how much training he had actually done in his time trial bike and how comfortable he felt climbing on that bike. And put a minute and 40 on Pogachar and uh, two minutes and 51 seconds on Wild Bernard. I mean, it was an incredible performance. Same. And essentially, the Tour de France was over that day, which made it a bit more boring for us. But um, still an incredible an incredible ride. I think a uh, ride that none of us really expected him to be that strong that day. And like Johan said, the best the best uh, performance we've seen of uh, Jonas Vindigo. Yeah, we have to say that's one of the strongest time trials ever. Mm -hmm. In the history of the tour. Yeah, I mean, and, sure. I think we expected a strong performance out of him, but nobody expected that. It was so dominant. Yeah. So ready for my number two? Yeah, let's do it. So my number two, since, since Johan took my other favorite race on the calendar, Tour Flanders, I'm going to go with Paris Roubaix, which we all know I love that race. And uh, just for me, very exciting to watch Jumbo's tactics early on, breaking away before the Arenberg Forest with uh, Laporte, Wild Bernard, and another teammate making a super aggressive race, um, making the other favorites like Matt Peterson and all these other guys uh, have to bridge up. Uh, and just watching Vanderpool and Wild Bernard just going toe to toe with attacks. Unfortunately, Wild Bernard ended up flatting in the, in the most pivotal section of the race to cap further out. Digging Cole crashes. It was a very exciting section. Section Vanderpool almost crashes with 10K to go, um, ends up winning solo. Then to point out, Jasper Philipson finished second place, hands in the air with one lap to go on the velodrome. I don't think we've ever seen that before. He was already celebrating his teammate's win and still mentally thinking, okay, I want to get second place here. Um, so what a dominant performance by that team. Unfortunate uh, uh, puncture by Wild Ben Arp, but still for me, a very exciting uh, Paris Roubaix. Great. Great. All right. I'm here I'll stick to two. I had a couple picked out, but I'll stick to two. Um, my, my highlight of the year was Demi Vollering um, winning the, the Tour de France fam of Zwift. Uh, obviously she got second last year. She, she got second to Annemiek van Vluten, who's, uh, you know, uh, an icon of, of women's cycling. 
Um, it was her final year. You have to know that she was highly motivated to, to win the Tour de France in her final year as a, as a professional cyclist. But when you saw in Demi Bollering, like she was a different rider. Everything about it was different. The tactics were different. The attitude was different. She looked different. You could tell that she really doubled and tripled down on her preparation specifically for the tour. And not to mention her team was hmm. was truly, truly, I mean, a lot of Kopecky and the strength of that team. I mean, there was nobody near the strength of that team. And, and she benefited from that. But uh, I think she's put herself in a position to be the clear favorite for the Tour de France fam of Zwift for years to come. I don't, I don't see, uh, I think she's actually going to get better and better. Um, and of course, who knows, but uh, w- that shift and change from 2022 to 2023 was, was huge. And, and, and she's the other thing I, I like about her is she, she seems very humble, obviously very hardworking tells us that she'll probably continue on this trajectory and, you know, good luck, ladies. But uh, the, she was dominant, and she trains with her dog on her back. Well, in a backpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah, that's, you got you got to give her a follow on socials. It's that's yeah. it's, it's priceless. You know, I've been doing this rucking. You know, where you put this backpack on and you put these weights in there, and you, you know, I didn't. We have a dog. I should. You know what? Let me combine all this. Demi, I'm coming for you. I'm gonna go. Toby, who continues to bark during this podcast. See if Toby wants to go for a little ride around the hills of Austin. See how that goes. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, I think I think you're you're right, Lance. I mean, she's she's gonna get better. Um, this is just the beginning of them them evolving. And then on top of that, being on that team, I mean, how frustrating must it be for the competition? You know, who can rival with that team? And, and on top of that, if I mean, because they were first and second, they, Lotte Kopecky mm-hmm. was second in right, the Tour de France. Right. So, yep. how do you beat that? You know. That's yep. that's quite the performance. Yeah, yeah. Well, they seem pretty focused. Uh, all right, and my second one is is not just one of my highlights, but I, I actually think it's the best story of the year, mm-hmm. and that is Sepkus. Right here, you have we have talked about Sepkus for years and years and years as this d- d- domestique extraordinaire, uh, th- this selfless, tireless, you know, true, true teammate. The guys, you know, these are the guys that that you know. The three of us, uh, Johan and George, you, you know, we love guys like this, right? He has a he has a Chechu Rubiera attitude, uh, anything for the team. And he's always, and even if he has a bad day in previous years, he rebounds and he's there for the team. He's just constantly there. This is the best story of 2023 in cycling. Not, and not only did he win the Tour of Spain, he did the Giro, then did the Tour, and then did the Vuelta. And we're all sitting here thinking, wow. I mean, there are uh, folks, if you don't, if you're not aware, there are just very few people ever, mm-hmm. not just in one year, but ever who attempt to do three grand tours in one season. It's insanity. And for him to be that guy, right, this uh, this uh, teammate extraordinaire for his whole career and then have this long season and then show up in the Tour of Spain and win it's an amazing story. And, and it, the story gets better, lives in Andorra, has a Spanish girlfriend, speaks perfect Spanish, can relate to the Spanish people, can give interviews like it was hands down. It's the best story of the year. And, 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 and not just a great story, but and I think we all agree, well-deserved. I mean, this yeah, is but I, no, you no, know, nobody, you, you'd have to be a, you know, some sort of psycho to root against this guy. I mean, it was just such a damn good story. Yeah, let's not forget he was crucial to 
Primoz Roglic victory in uh, in the Giro, crucial. Right. He was crucial for Vingegaard in the Tour, and and even more, without him crashing, he would have been top ten in the Tour de France. And then go to the the Vuelta and 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 win that. That's it's amazing. It's amazing. And, you know, and on top of that, Jumbo being right, first, second, and third. I think that's also something that uh, we have to go back to the fifties or. Uh, early 60s or something to see a Vuelta where that happened. Uh, it, it had happened before, but you know, it was different cycling, of course. And you just you, said it, it was a, a team that won all three grand tours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm like going, you mentioned, I, I, like, like, George, you can elaborate on this because yeah. I, I was thinking about when, when we talked about Sepp Kuss lining up for the Vuelta, hmm, right? Not, not about going to win, just showing up. George was like, no way, man. No, I mean, just <laughs> couldn't not fathom doing that much work yeah. in three grand tours. So yeah, George, your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the physical and emotional stress that uh, it takes to be a, a pitiful teammate, like an important teammate like he was at the Giro and at the Tour de France. And let's not forget the bad crash that he had at the, at the finish of the Tour de France, still finishing. Um and just to be able to recover, uh, it shows not only the, the advancement of Team Jumbo. I mean, they, it's not like a guess for them. They, they saw the numbers that he was doing after the tour, and they're like, well, you recovered. You're still able to do these numbers and still have the level that you've had through these other two Grand Tours. So we're going to send you there. And for him to take those opportunities on stage six, get in the breakaway, um, perhaps a bit of a tactical error by the other teams to let him go, being the climber that he is, um, and just staying – um, just so, uh, you know, never letting the, pre- the pressure get into him with the, the whole, his team, yeah. even perhaps at times lining up right. against him. I mean, right. he had the whole U.S. cycling world up in arm, arms about what are they doing to this poor kid. But uh, for him to pull it off and uh, win a, a Grand Tour was incredible to watch. And, you know, we haven't seen the last of Sepkus, and I'm excited to see him next year and, all, and hopefully less Grand Tours. I think just three Grand Tours in one year yeah. is absolute torture. Um, but still incredible victory by step. You, you said it, George. I mean, look, we're not in the team bus. We're not in the team meetings, but it's, there was, this wasn't a gift. I mean, uh, on the surface, you say, if we're going to gift this incredible teammate a race, this is the one, but if you're just reading between the lines and trying to follow the press, uh, there was some dissension there. So that tells you that the kid mentally you know, imagine you're him. You're like, I've done all this work for all you motherfuckers. <laughs> all right. And how about, how about a little, a little cheese my way, right? It, it, it didn't seem that way. It just shows you how tough he is to say, okay, all right. You know, and I'll sit through this team meeting again. We weren't there, um, but we can imagine. Uh, I think that we, we kept, you know, as dur- during our Vuelta coverage, we kept calling him the Iron Man. Well, it, it, not just physically, but mentally. For sure. For sure. And he, like you said, Lance, he wasn't giving gifts, but he did. It's not like he wanted any gifts. He would go, he was the first one to go up to Jonas when Jonas won the stage or Primus won the stage and congratulate them in the red Jersey um, where we're all like, what the hell's going on here? Why are they attacking him and putting time, you know, dinking away at his time. Um, but everybody says the guy is one of the nicest guys in the world and, or in the Peloton. And um, you know, what he did was, uh, was made, made the history books for sure. Yeah. You know, I'll add to it the 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 kick in the pants it gives to American cycling as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, Lance, you've been very vocal about this, how things ebb and flow, but you've got to have those heroes in front of you. And who knows what 
what 10 year old might've been at that parade in Durango and right. said, I want to do that. You right. know, I want to be yeah. like Sepp Kuz. Yeah. Well, it, it, you're right uh, about that, but it also um, it does highlight the difference between the three grand tours, right? You have an American who won the tour of Spain, uh, which is the third biggest grand tour, the, obviously the Giro, even if he had won the Giro, uh, it doesn't register here in the United States, right? You didn't, it wasn't a, a top 10 play of the day on sports center. It wasn't streaming on CNN. It wasn't on the cover of USA today or the New York times. Um, and, and so it, 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 all, all that to say, I think it really highlights the significance and the weight of the tour de France, right? We, we, we speak a lot about this and it's great that the tour is that big. It is not great that the second and third biggest races are that far behind, right? The, all of American sports fans should have known that Sepp Kuss won the Tour of Spain. Straight up. It's a big deal. No. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Anything else? JB, you, you, you usually come in here at the end and give us a little house, <laughs> no, housekeeping do. and stuff. We do. We do know, have a, a couple of housekeeping things. We, already, we do have the Legends series. So keep an eye out on your podcast feed or on YouTube if you like to watch it. You already kind of leaked that we have an upcoming one with Garen Thomas, absolute legend. And then also, uh, and Johan and George, you can elaborate on that. Again, we touched on it for a second, but we do have some spring classics travel opportunities. You talked about how cool it was to be there with some of our guests at Flanders last year. So uh, you can give us some details on what we have for the spring classics and opportunities. You want me to go, Johan? George, well, you can, we're, yeah. we're, we're starting off with the uh, Strata Bianca camp early March. Uh, we're going to ride the ride the White Tuscan gravel roads at Lance and I rode last spring, and it's just some of the most scenic, uh, beautiful biking in the entire world. Best food as well in the world, and we'll be able to ride the Sportif on Saturday, the Grand Fondo on Saturday, then watch the race. Or is it Friday? I think it's a, no, it's, 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 yeah. it's it's the it's the the grand fond uh it's the races on saturday the grand fond yeah. on sunday correct and, okay so and special guest for the three days who is staying with us oh, and yeah. accompanying ex world champion double world champion and giro winner johnny buño oh yeah which I, i'm very excited cool. to be riding alongside yeah. him oh, yeah. class rider um, classy guy very classy rider secondly yeah. we're going to do the tour tour of flanders camp like we mentioned uh, similar deal. We'll we'll stay right near the start. Watch the riders at the start line up, and you know I always like like to say, and I've heard some other people say it before. For you American viewers, the Tour de France is the Super Bowl. Tour de Flanders is the College National Football Championships. I mean, the atmosphere there is unlike any other atmosphere. People are partying at like seven in the morning. Um, thousands and thousands of spectators all across. Uh, the, basically, the country of Belgium is shut down for that day, and it's just a. The vibe in that race is unlike any other vibe in, in any race in the world. And uh, we'll have uh, first, you know, we'll have great access and we'll be able to ride a lot of the clients that the riders are going to be riding. Um, so don't miss out on that camp. And then we're going to move to Paris Bay, which uh, we all know is one of the hardest races in the world as well. Great atmosphere, very close to the start of Tour of Flanders as well. Um, so it's, um, we'll be able to stay uh, within the vicinity for, for both uh, races. And uh, we're going to do two separate camps, Flanders and Roubaix. Um, we're going to ride with Johan Museo, I believe, at Tour of Flanders. Two times, Flanders and Roubaix, yeah. Triple, Flanders triple winner of both races. So we got a great lineup yes. for everybody. And uh, check us out and come come, come participate in the camps with us. Go to wedo.team. 
www.wedo.team and you'll see an icon at the top for travel. And one last thing to tease also coming is a uh, uh, trades and transfers show. Mm. So that what pivotal, pivotal, I can't even say the word pivotal moves mm-hmm. happened in the off season, including one that was just announced uh, exactly. a day or two is a big yeah. one, a big one. And Johan says that's big, big news. So uh, that's an, also a show that we have coming up to, for you to look forward to. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see y'all soon. Happy holidays.